All right, we are in Acts chapter 4, and actually we're in uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. And we're going to be all through Acts here. We're going to, uh, and for, because of time, I am going to uh, kind of rush along a little bit here. Please keep up as best as you can. Some of these scriptures and uh, stories I might just mention, even though they'll be here on the screen. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. And we are going to be looking at somebody whom I believe is one of the most important characters in all the Bible, especially the New Testament. Somebody who uh, indirectly helped to change the world. And we probably don't hear a lot of sermons uh, about this person. But he is so vitally important for the early church. And that is Barnabas. So let's uh, read the scripture here. Verse 36, Acts 4.36. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, in verse 37, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath day. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for the scriptures. I pray as we look at the life and ministry of Barnabas, I pray that we would be inspired because he is taking the example of Christ. And so we just ask and pray that your spirit would be ministering to each person here. Um, I pray that Jesus would be lifted up. And please, may these be your words and not mine. In Christ's name, amen. I want to challenge you or or invite you, really, to think about a person or maybe even a book or something that gave you spiritual encouragement at a time that you really needed it. Or maybe some time that you encouraged somebody else when they really needed it. I can think of many examples, and one that comes to mind is Chaplain Hamilton. He was a uh, military chaplain in Okinawa when I was pastoring my first church there. And uh, he was a shorter gentleman, but, uh, you know, he he spent some time in the gym, so he's quite a muscular man. Chaplain Hamilton uh, was just always when he was around, he was somebody who would encourage and guide and lead in just about whatever they were going through. And uh, I remember he wasn't around all the time. He, he was quite a busy man. But when I had first come into the Okinawa International Church, there were some ch- real challenges taking place in the church. And it had a, a bit of a reputation of being that way. And uh, it being my first church, I was quite nervous. Uh, I, was, I was quite unsure and I remember Chaplain Hamilton, he invited me one afternoon to uh, just, just spend an hour or two with him. And he took me onto the military base there and, and, and drove me around. And he, show, he gave me a book that was uh, very instrumental in helping me to know how to lead as a minister. It's called A Leading with a Limp by Dan B. Allender. And it shows the um, example of some of the patriarchs and how God used them despite their weaknesses. But I remember that Chaplain Hamilton, he just came beside me 
And he told me some of the challenges that were happening at, in the church at that time. Some of the things that had happened in the past and some of the needs that the church had going into the future. And I remember he really gave me encouragement. And he reminded me that I wouldn't be doing it alone. That he would be there to help, to guide, to lead, to, to counsel. And, and sure enough, whenever he was around, he always did just that very thing. I remember one time my, I lost my voice. I didn't really get sick, but I, I had lost my voice and I couldn't preach. It was only a few days before Sabbath, and I called up Chaplain Hamilton. Hey, can, are you available this Sabbath? And he was like, yes, I, I can do that. And so he came and he preached, and, and afterwards I was in my uh, house, which was right next to the church, and he came over to see how I was doing, and uh, he sat down with me and and uh, he did most of the talking. He knew my voice was out. And, and, and uh, he was like, uh, you know, you're doing a great job, you know. And, 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 and he, he told me, you know, uh, I, I think they really love you here. And, and I love you too. And I, I, I had a, ja- a coat on, on the, uh, on the uh, chair sitting next to him. And he was like, Adrian, you have great taste. That's a wonderful jacket. Can I try it on? It's like, it's kind of weird, but sure. He tried it on. It was oh, this is so nice. You have such great taste. You know, I, I really like this jacket. <laughs> and I was, is he going to ask to borrow my jacket? You know, But he was just so positive and encouraging. He was honest. He would speak the truth in love when necessary. But he was just this person I will always remember as being somebody who was encouraging to me. And we all need people like that in our lives, don't we? We all need people who will come alongside us when we are sometimes at our weakest or most vulnerable, are sometimes unsure or lost or whatever it is, who will help us along the way. And Barnabas was that kind of person. And I want to challenge us today, too, because not only do we need that in our lives, but sometimes we need to be that person who is a Barnabas. Now, Barnabas, in the Bible, he was a very special character. He's actually mentioned almost 30 times in the New Testament. He has quite an important role in the book of Acts. Even though we we don't read uh, or have many sermons about Barnabas or a lot of books about Barnabas, it's usually about Paul and John and Peter and these other people. But Barnabas is so important, and we'll see why. Barnabas, in the book of Acts, it says that he was called the son of encouragement. Now, this word of encouragement, which was the word paraklesios, it means in the original language to be called to one's aid, to give encouragement or comfort. It's from the word parakaleo. Now, interesting enough, this word to describe Barnabas is the same word that the Apostle John uses in John 14 and 16 for the Holy Spirit, where Jesus says to his disciples, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Some of your versions might say comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That word for helper or comforter to describe the Holy Spirit is the word 
Parakletos. Same word that is used to describe Barnabas. Para means uh, next to, and kletos is, means to be called. So it's somebody who's called next to someone else. With the idea of helping them, comforting them, encouraging them. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. And this is a role that Barnabas takes up in the book of Acts. So Barnabas was somebody who came alongside of others who needed help and assurance in their faith. He had a reputation for encouraging other people. And he carried that reputation through his ministry in the book of Acts. And he lived it out very well. Now briefly, let's look at some examples of what Barnabas did to make him the son of encouragement. Acts chapter 9. 26 and 27. After Paul is converted on the road of the road to Damascus, remember we read about him in chapter 8, and he's severely persecuting the church. He's wreaking havoc on the church. He's, he's putting Christians in prison, and some of them are winding up being killed as well, too. So there's this severe persecution. Paul's on the way to Damascus. He gets converted by seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus, preaches the gospel, comes back to uh, Jerusalem, and he wants to tell everybody about his conversion. In verse 26, we read, Acts 9, 26, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So here he comes, he's like, uh, church, guys, I'm one of you, I saw Jesus. And they're like, whoa, I don't think so. I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy, this is a trick. I mean, imagine if Osama bin Laden, when, if he was still alive, somehow came to America and said, I love America, I, I, I love these people, please let's all, let's all be patriotic together. Say this is part of his terrorist plot, right? I mean, this is how the guy schemes. People were afraid of Saul. They said, we don't want to have anything to do with him. And for just reason, maybe some of their own family members he put in jail. And nobody wants to touch Saul. People are questioning, did this man really get converted? Is he really a Christian? Did they really baptize this guy? So nobody wants to have anything to do with Saul. And here comes Barnabas. And it says in verse 27, He took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly in Damascus, at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Barnabas. Coming alongside of him, and bringing him, introducing him to the church, helping him to tell his story, when nobody else wanted anything to do with this guy. Barnabas comes alongside and helps. Let's move along here. Um, In Acts chapter 11, uh, 25 and 26, what happens is is that the church is exploding. 
Um, I'm just going to tell you the story. We're not going to read it for the sake of time. Uh, Up in Antioch, the church is exploding. They send Barnabas up there. And so he goes, he gives encouragement, uh, he, he baptizes, everybody's happy. And then in verse 25 and 26, it says that Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Because after Saul was introduced to the church, and he told everybody that he had become a Christian, then some of the Jews wanted to persecute Saul. And so what the church did, they said, we got to send him away or they're going to kill him. That's what they tried to do to Saul. So they sent Saul up to Tarsus. And, and you could say for some years, people just forget about him. I mean, we always think about Saul, who became Paul, the great apostle. But there's a period in his early Christian life where Saul was kind of, I, I, I hesitate to use the word sidelined. But first of all, the church didn't accept him. And then they sent him away to protect him, which is a good thing. And you could say, really, the church just kind of forgot about Saul. He's just there in Tarsus, you know, maybe doing his thing for Jesus. But he's just there, sidelined. And when Barnabas goes up to encourage the church, he says, I wonder how Saul is doing. I got to find out what's going on with Saul. So he goes, says verse 25 here in Acts chapter 11, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Can you see how Barnabas is going out of his way to personally invest in Paul to help him in his faith and ministry. This is real Christianity, and this is being a real disciple of Christ. Church, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, we have to invest in people. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, the first thing he says is, go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing and teaching and, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> This man went out of his way, and we're going to have to do the same thing. It's going to take sacrifice. We, we might have to take time out of our busy schedules. It might, it might cause us some financial burden. It might cause us some emotional burden. But in order to be a disciple and make disciples, we have to personally invest in people, even the ones that get sidelined and rejected by everybody else. And I would say, especially the ones who are sidelined and rejected by everybody else. So Barnabas is investing in the person of Saul here. And we're going to see how God is going to call out uh, uh, Saul and Barnabas to a very uh, special ministry. But before all of that happened, Barnabas was there, right next to Saul, encouraging him along the way. Now, this is the primary, or this is the first example we see of Barnabas's ministry and the impact he's making on somebody who will be what might, many might consider the greatest of the apostles. And so it goes on in Acts chapter 13 that God calls them in the first few chapters, he, he calls uh, 
Barnabas and Saul, and he tells the church, they're in Antioch, he tells them, set aside Barnabas and Saul for the ministry that I have called them to do. So Barnabas and Saul, they get ordained, if you will, as missionaries together, and God sends them out. This is Acts chapter 13. And it says in verse 5, Acts chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, When they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, John, this is the same John Mark who was a nephew of Barnabas. This is not John the apostle who wrote the books, uh, John and, and first and second and third John and Revelation. This is John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas. So Barnabas is taking his nephew with him on their missionary journey. They go out on their first missionary journey. They have their first, uh, you know, uh, conflict, if you will, in in preaching the gospel. This, uh, you just have to read the story here in Acts chapter thirteen. They go and preach to this high official. And they do this supernatural miracle. It's kind of strange. It's very dramatic. And then what happens later on, not not too long after they had gone out on their first missionary journey. Read with me, if you will, in verse 13. Acts 13, 13. says, Now while Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, that's John Mark, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So what's happening here? Well, what's happening here is that John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas, he was excited about being a missionary. He went out with Saul, or Paul at this time, and Barnabas. And when he saw what really it meant to be a disciple and a missionary, he couldn't hack it. He said, I, I'm going home. I, I can't do this. This is this is this is too intense for me. Um, I, I want to go home. I want my bed. I want I want my mom's home cooking. And I just his he just he bailed. He bailed on him is what he did. Okay. So he leaves for home. We'll read more about this in just a minute. I'm trying to fill in all the puzzle pieces here. I know this is a lot, but just follow along with me. And I want to paint a picture here because, you know, I've read the book of Acts so many times over the years as a Christian. And it wasn't until just very recently that in my most recent reading of the book of Acts, I was like, wow, this guy Barnabas, he's really really a, a true disciple of Christ. And I just hope that this inspires you to study and read more about the ministry of Barnabas so that each and every one of us can take the example of this Christian and what it means to be a disciple. But as the story goes on, Acts chapter 15, verse 36 and 34, uh, Paul and Barnabas, now it's Paul, he's taking the head in this great missionary work. They had uh, an issue about circumcision. Do you have to be circumcised to be saved and all these things? They go to Jerusalem. They have the Jerusalem council. They say, no, these Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. Praise God. They're all rejoicing. And then Paul says, let's go back out and see how those people are doing. 
We've got to go back and visit those new converts. We can't just leave them out there. So here we are, they're going back and they're excited. They're ready to go see how they're doing. They need spiritual encouragement. But then something unfortunate happens here. In verse 37, Acts 15.37 says, Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Hmm. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commanded, commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What's happening here? Let's read here from The Life of Paul by Ellen White, page 282 and 3. And she says that Mark had once been refused by Paul as unworthy to accompany him because when his help was much needed, he had left the apostle and returned to his home. He, that is Mark, saw that as Paul's companion, his life must be one of constant toil, anxiety, self-denial, and he desired an easier path. This led the apostle to feel that he could not be trusted. And that decision caused the unhappy decision, dissension between Paul and Barnabas. Paul was not pleased with Mark because he bailed on them when they needed it. And he saw that in the first go-around, he, he wanted an easier path. And so when Barnabas brings John Mark as they're about to set sail for their second trip, Paul says, Barnabas, we're not taking this kid with us. I'm not babysitting. Yet he, he bailed on us last time when we needed him, and that's very discouraging. You know, uh, there's other people in this group, and we can't just have people bailing, coming in and off. When, when it, we, we can't do that. Barnabas, we're not taking John Mark. And Barnabas says to Paul, yes, we are taking John Mark. And he's coming with us. He's going he's gonna to come on this missionary journey. Paul, don't you remember your history and your, pa- your past? Don't you remember how you were sidelined by the church? Don't you remember what you did? Come on, Paul, we need... We're taking Mark with us. Paul says, no, we're not taking this guy. We're not. And so the contention became so great, the Bible says they split. Okay. Now, Paul at this time, he's got a lot of weight now. I mean, this man is enlightened by God. He's inspired. I think he's got a lot of, uh, you know, a credibility now. But Paul, Barnabas says, I don't, I don't care who you are. We're taking this. We're taking him with us. She goes on to say in the life of Paul, page 47 and 48, he, that is Barnabas, felt anxious that he, Mark, should not abandon the ministry. For he saw in him qualifications for a useful laborer in the cause of Christ. Paul was afterward reconciled to Mark. He saw in Mark qualifications 
for a useful laborer in the cause of Christ. This kid who wanted to go home, lay in his bed, and and abandon the work, Barnabas saw in him something that Paul did not, this inspired man of God, something that other people did not see. And this is what makes the ministry of Barnabas so impressive to me. Those people who get sidelined, who fail, who, who are, are written off by the rest of the church, even the leaders of the church, Barnabas says, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's not done with this person yet. God's not done with them yet. Paul, God wasn't done with you. He wasn't done with me. He's not done with this person. And I want to encourage each one of us today. God is not done with you yet either. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what what failures, no matter how much we've been sidelined or rejected, or somebody has said, I don't think that, that this person is fit to even be called a Christian. God is not done with you yet. God sees in us what other people often do not. Somebody who can be a real disciple of Christ. You see, I love Barnabas' ministry because we don't have one sermon recorded in the Bible of Barnabas. Look for one and find me a sermon in, 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 in the book of Acts. You won't find it. He didn't write one book in the New Testament. We never read about any miracles that he did. But Barnabas was a true apostle because he came close to people who were not perfect and he lovingly helped them to follow Jesus. And you and I need that in our lives. And we need to be people who do the same thing. We need people, we need to come along people who are less than perfect, Seventh-day Adventist Christians who fail, who do wrong, who mess up, and we need to take them to the cross of Christ, and we need to say, look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at what he's done for me. He is not done with you yet. That's what gospel Christianity is all about. And sometimes we have to tell them the truth, don't we? It doesn't always feel good. But we need to learn how to help encourage people to do what is right in a loving Christian way. God is not done with you yet. We have the privilege and the joy of investing in the spiritual growth of other believers and sincere seekers, even if they are not perfect. God is calling us to devote ourselves to helping someone else be who God designed them to be. And I want to say something else. We don't have to be perfect And we don't have to have it all together to help somebody else be a disciple of Christ. We don't have to. Sometimes we're we're feeble as Christians because we think so much about ourselves and and and, and we're always looking inward or we're looking at the mistakes of other people. If we just come alongside them, how can I help this person be a better Christian? And it helps us to be better Christians. Sometimes we have to take that first step. This is what it is to be a true disciple of Christ. 
John, or John Mark literally changed the world, and so did Paul. If you will study the Gospels, the Synaptic Gospels, Matthew and Luke, almost all scholars will say that the way they wrote their Gospels is they took the book of Mark. This was the first Gospel written, and they used that as a foundation for their Gospels. The early Christian church founded their, their knowledge of Jesus Christ on the writing of the book of Mark. It is the simplest, shortest gospel of all the four gospels. It was, it was the plainest, clearest gospel of all four. And the other gospel writers depended heavily on the book of Mark. It changed the way we see Jesus. And those books literally changed the world. But before Mark wrote his book, there was Barnabas encouraging him along the way. And the work and ministry of Paul is unparalleled to any other Christian in the New Testament. Some people say he's single-handedly responsible for spreading Christianity so quickly as he did. But before he was the great apostle, he was sidelined and rejected by everybody else, but there was Barnabas. Barnabas indirectly, literally changed the world by simply investing in people, encouraging them along the way. And I want to challenge us to take this same example. Is there someone in your life today who can, you can encourage by a phone call, a text message, or some kind of visit? I want to encourage every single one of us today, in the name of Jesus Christ, be a Barnabas. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these examples in the Bible. And thank you, God, for the comfort and encouragement that you give us through the Holy Spirit. God, I just want to pray for anybody here today uh, who needs that comfort and encouragement. I ask that your Holy Spirit... And I ask and pray that your people and your angels would come alongside them today, encourage them and lift them up. And help us, God, as we experience that from you, to go out and encourage and lift up others. Help us to be disciples. Help us to make disciples. Help us, God, we pray, uh, to be like Barnabas. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. We ask a blessing upon each one in Jesus' name. Amen.